0: Welcome back to A Christian and a Buddhist Walk into a Bar, uh, the podcast where we talk about Christian rock bands named Accidental Touch Protection.
1: And where Jamal makes a joke in inverted comments every episode. My name's Jacob. I'm a Christian.
0: My name is Jamal and I am a Buddhist. How are you doing today, Jacob?
1: I am doing pre- pretty well, Jamal, although I can't get the image of that Christian alt rock band out of my head now. So thank you for that. That'll be with me for the rest of the afternoon.
0: Oh, that's all right. So, speaking of um, of uh, Christian alt-rock bands, um, have you been baptised,
1: Jacob? I certainly have been. I don't remember it, but my, my parents tell me it happened. I've got the candle, which oh. we light every year on the somethingth of October. Okay, so, like, what
0: goes into... I mean, I, I know what goes into a Catholic baptism, but what goes into a non-Catholic baptism?
1: Basically the same. Catholic baptisms, like, Christ, Christian baptisms across the board... There's some theological differences in what baptism kind of, what exactly is happening um, theologically, and there are some differences on when you should do it at different times, different places, different denominations, whatever, but the actual act is is pretty much the same the church over, so I, I can talk you through it if you like. Sure, let's go. Um, so baptism, it's the, the Greek word that means washing, is where it comes from, baptizo, the, the verb. Uh, and it is, it's a washing um, in usually Catholic churches and um, maybe high Anglican, certainly Lutheran settings. Uh, it's usually an infant who's baptized. And so there'll be a font at the front of the church and there'll be some water that'll be um, poured on the, the infant's head. Uh, or in some churches, they go full immersion into the water. Um, and the, the pastor or the priest will say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Um, and that is just an acknowledgement that this person is now part of God's household, God's kingdom, the church—however you want to put it. That those are the bits where you know theological disagreements start to happen. Exactly what is happening here? Precisely what is God doing? What is the person doing? And and all of that. But that that's essentially it's a it's a one-time washing at the at the beginning of your Christian walk, if okay. you like. All yeah. Right. Um. So this is an article we
0: uh, I've I've been looking forward to this article for a while, and I I don't know if you remember Jacob, but I think this was the article that I used as an example of the kinds of articles we could.
1: um, Yeah, this was the pitch for the podcast. This is the pitch for the podcast.
0: This was a hey, what if we spoke about these kinds of things? So we're going to bring this one up. It's a little uh, it's a little old. It's from the start of the year, start of twenty twenty two. That is, Um, but the article talks about a priest in the United States in Phoenix, Arizona who uh, was forced to resign because essentially for many, many years uh, he mistakenly said the wrong words when performing baptisms. Mm. Uh, and this was in a, a Catholic diocese and the use of the wrong words has meant that essentially anyone that was baptized in that way, their baptisms are invalid and therefore all of their subsequent uh Ceremonial links with the church are also invalid. Um, so the the words he said, uh, which were different, was that he used the phrase "we baptize you" instead of "I baptize you," uh, and that was deemed um, uh, essentially not a proper baptism, and therefore everything is um, to to you pardon the pun, the, the baby is thrown out <laughs> with the bathwater on this one, and. Um, and the uh, yeah the the church has come in and said well none of this counts
1: and you got to go. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, I don't know that they quite said you got to go because he has said he'll he'll that, stay a priest that, and he's that, that, dedicating true. the rest of his career to kind of righting the wrongs, as it were. Um, I I just I found this really interesting because I read this article um, back at the time in in February when this all. Broke up, and my response to it then you know, was: This is just ridiculous. And I think there are certain aspects of it that um, that that are like that. You know, is a marriage valid, and all the rest of it. We, we can come back to that. But so then, when we were preparing to to talk about it today, I um, clicked on the link to the the congregation for the doctrine of the faith, which is the you know the Vatican Hoipelois who say who said. Yeah, this isn't legit, and and I read through their reasoning, and I surprised myself by actually kind of agreeing with it, and thinking that they had a valid point there. Now, whether that it's a theological point, you mean? The, the theological values. point yeah. is, is a valid one. Whether that then means that well, do you have to redo all the baptisms and everything else? That's 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 another mm. case. Yeah. Okay. So, so what is the theological point that the the church made here? So, the theological point that the the Catholic Church made here. Is that in a baptism, the the actor, if you like, you know, the the um, the subject of the baptism, the the, the one doing the baptising, is Jesus Christ, um, and it's it's God who does the baptising, um, and that's a thoroughly Lutheran understanding as well of what's happening in baptism, and, and probably most churches would ag- would agree with that to some way, shape, or form, um, and the congregation of the doctrine of the faith said that the use of we they connected it with a a bunch of other modifications of the formula which were you know introduced for good reasons because priests didn't want people to think that well it's just a special fancy thing that a priest does and they wanted to involve the whole congregation in the baptism so um, that's where you eventually get to we baptize you Uh, and what the what the Vatican are saying here is, well, it's not actually the congregation that's doing the baptizing. It's not the priest that's doing the baptizing. It's God that does the baptizing, and and the priest kind of speaks those words on God's behalf. I'm I'm sympathetic to that.
0: Well, and so this gets me to, I think, my main question around this article and around this situation is, yeah, okay, totally accept that it's God and Jesus doing the baptizing, that, that it needs to be that does God care what word you use? <laughs> like, like at the end of the day, if God is baptizing you and you are doing 99% of the thing that God has said he wants you to do in this baptism, does God really care whether you use the word I or we?
1: Yeah. Well, and this is where uh, my my first inclination when I, when I read this back in February was like, what on earth is going on here? Um, <laughs> because... You have to ask all sorts of questions around, I mean, just Christian tradition in general when you get to that, like, does God care whether or not you use English? And this was part of the big issue in the Reformation, right? Like, you know, Luther and um, and the Anglicans and the French and whatever else said, well, we should do it in German or English or French and, mm-hmm. and the... Um, the Catholic Church at the time was well. Everything should be in Latin because it is in Latin, and Latin is uh,
0: because Latin is translated from the Greek, which was the original Bible. Well, well this
1: is it. like Jesus spoke Aramaic, yeah. right? In the Bible, in the in the ancient Greek manuscripts, manuscripts that we have, there there are a handful of words, like three or four, like Rabbi, that are direct transliterations of the Aramaic. But aside from that, like as far as you know, Jesus might have spoke Greek but probably he spoke Aramaic most of the time. So we don't like the words of Jesus have been translated already yeah. before they even get into the Greek Bible, let alone the, the Latin Bible the three or three translations Bible. is the
0: line. You can't go <laughs> past three translations and it gets bad.
1: Well and so this is this is the thing is like, you know, does God care what language we use? You know, fundamentally no. And, and Christians talk about this thing called, you know, heart language and um, this is why Bible translation is such a big deal. Uh, and actually the the first people to, um, to translate a lot of uh, Aboriginal languages were missionaries. Like there, were, there were Lutheran missionaries who went through the centre of Australia and translated Aranda and DL and, and these other languages because they wanted to put the scriptures in that language because they wanted it to speak to people's hearts, right? Because mm-hmm. they knew that just going in in Latin was probably not a way that was going to make sense to the people there, right? So, so from that aspect, um, does God care what language we use? Well, yes, insofar as it's a language that's comprehensible to us and, and that it conveys meaning and Heidegger and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, the, the thing around baptism, and this was a thing that I, I learned when I was studying church history and theology that kind of blew my mind a little bit, is that the words that are used, um, you know, there are some particular scriptural words words and phrases that Christians will use in, you know, translated form, obviously, that, that do have significance and um, baptism and communion, um, which is the, you know, the Jesus Last Supper that's continued to be shared in the church to this day. Um, there there are some significant phrases that are used around that uh, because those are the phrases that appear in Scripture. And, and we have a few of these baptismal forms in Scripture, actually. Um, Jesus says at the end of Matthew's gospel, again, translated into the Greek and then into the English, um, go, go into the, all the world making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the yeah. Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's the phrase that we use in baptisms now. But what I learned in church history was that this phrase actually acquired particular significance um, during some of the persecutions in the 3rd and early 4th centuries and when the church fragmented a little bit. Um, there are a whole bunch of priests that... Um, you know, recanted their faith when the Roman, um, then pagan Roman Empire was persecuting Christianity. And that left a whole bunch of people wondering, like, did my baptism count? Because the priest who did my baptism has now said, I'm no longer a Christian, please don't burn me at the stake. Well, not burn, you know know what I mean, right? Please don't persecute me. Um, Did my baptism count now that the priest who did it has recanted? Mm. Um, And so this is where the, the same theological move as the Vatican has made here was made then, which is, well, it's not actually the priest who is doing the baptizing, it's God who's doing the baptizing. And so the church decided at that point in Latin, presumably, that if you'd been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then that was a legit baptism and you were fine. Uh, and so that's what the church is then used for millennia afterwards. And, and this is why um, certainly, like in the Lutheran church, you can recognize someone's baptism in a Catholic church or a uniting church or a an Anglican or Orthodox or whatever. You go, well, that's a valid baptism because of that phrase. So it's kind of like the church's dialogue with itself in some ways.
0: Yeah. yeah I, it, it's, I, I think this, my personal sentiment on this is that I think the most important language is heart language, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, I, I, I completely agree with that idea that, like, if you have been baptized you know and at the end of the day if in that baptism you were properly you know giving yourself to god and if the person baptizing you at the time was properly you know at least conceiving of channeling god through and, and you know giving that baptism to you it all counts right like, sure. like, like yeah my kind of stance is that, that that what matters to god if anything is intention and is kind of, you know, what you are. Because language is just a way of expressing our feelings, right? Realistically, we go down to it. It's communication Mm -hmm. of I am feeling or thinking this particular concept and language is the way that I make sense of that and then communicate that to you. But what is really important is the core concept. Yeah, totally. You know, again, like I, 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 for example, I completely agree with this idea that like, the Bible should be spoken in whatever language is most understandable, because at the end of the day, that is the the way that you're going to understand the concept and therefore understand. What,
1: and and what just God is to saying. point out, like we we shouldn't take that for granted, right? Like it's, not, I won't do the disservice of saying, "Oh, you're a Protestant, you're not." But, um, like you know, the as I said, the Catholic Church at the time of the Reformation was not au fait mm-hmm. with this idea that the Bible should be in any language. Um, you know, o- obviously, the Aramaic Greek thing I was talking yeah. about before is. In Christianity is a thing, but in Islam, you know, the Quran is in Arabic because these are the exact words as they came to mm. the Prophet Muhammad, who then um, wrote them down. And if you have a translation of the Quran, it's no longer the Quran. Yeah, right. Um, and yeah, so we shouldn't just so. Well, of course, it should be in heart language because, uh, yeah, that's not always the case.
0: Yeah, and 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 I guess I kind of I kind of go like you know to, to this question of these baptisms. It's like. You know, I, I, I just, I just look at it and I go, I, we, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like at the end of the day, what matters is was the was the priest channeling God and baptizing this child, and was the child as much as they are possible to as a child, you know, engaged in this process and accepting that, right? Um, yeah, you know, there's a whole different question about baptizing children, and you know, and, and whether or not yeah, you know, that is a full acceptance,
1: whatever. I was and, and this comes down to this is part of that debate of like, you know, well, to what extent does my acceptance matter if, if it's God doing the work? Exactly. You right, know, yeah. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, I, I think
0: I go to it, and, I, and like this whole this whole situation, I just kind of go like, yes, I I could see. I could see the Catholic Church coming in and going, "Hey, we we, we shouldn't use this word anymore." Just we're we're just reiterating it needs to be the word I. But invalidating all the ones that had happened in the past is like, "Well, like the the heart language was the same there, right?" like, yep. I'm like you know, and are you saying that, yeah? Are you saying that any um any, you know, I I don't know, but the the linguist in me is I, I'm sure there is a language in the world where there is no distinction between I and we. Right. Sure. Like, like I'm, yep. I'm sure there is a language somewhere where you can't really say the individuated possessive without also including some sense of like the community around you, right? There are cultures that at least conceptualize that. So th- th- you know, there's got to be a language where there's a difference. Yeah, th- there's n- there's no ability to say I, and there's no ability to say we in the way that we do in English. So is the Catholic church then saying in any baptism done in that language is invalid?
1: Yeah. And th- like, this is the thing. Like I, I, uh I was talking with my wife about this this morning and and she made the the excellent suggestion of, couldn't they just have done, uh, you know, look, this isn't how it should be done, don't do it again kind of thing. And, yeah. 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 Where possible. And I don't
0: know, but I I think the other point that's being made here, which I find really interesting, is the, the translation one, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, particularly in Christianity, we are getting a fourth or fifth translation of what was said. And, like... Again, if what matters is the content and the heart language and understanding what is being said, then sure, like yeah, that, that that makes sense. But like, you know, I mean, if you care about if you care about I versus we, then you have to care about where along where in this where in the space translations have gone wrong, right? Like, you know, um, I think I might have said this previously, but like, you know, one of my favorite kind of you know, little theological points to talk about uh, with 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 people who are Christians who I'm like meeting for the first time is like the the argument that the 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 thing from the the phrase from Genesis where it says you know where they, it's in the traditional conversation it's you know God gave man dominion over the world mm. dominion yeah. is very likely mistranslated like, I think we talked about this a few episodes ago yeah, yeah. like the word yeah. dominion should actually be stewardship and dominion is actually potentially a if not deliberate a translation that is used to justify a way of interacting with nature and the world that is uh, essentially resource extractive as opposed to are more kind of ecological. And actually, that's probably a mistranslation.
1: (laughs) Well, and there's also this idea... I didn't think we'd get onto this today, but here we are. There's this idea within Christian thought that Scripture interprets Scripture, right? Mm. That you can't just take one verse out of of Scripture and and say, ah, this is, you know... You you can't proof text something in this way without seeing it in the broader context of the story of God and humanity, which is, you know, the the whole of the Scriptures. There's there's one verse that um, we... Don't need to go into detail in now, but um, where uh, Paul writes, I, I don't permit a woman to have authority over a man, and there's all of these debates that go on in the church about you know what does this mean for the role of women and yada yada yada. But there's ling- ling- linguistic debates around what exactly does he mean by a woman and a man? Is he talking about particular people? Is he talking about in general? The word that's translated authority in that sense appears only that one spot in the whole New Testament, and so you have to try and understand what that means by comparing it to other uses in the Greek, and, and yada, yada, yada. And the, the short story is you can't just build an entire doctrine on how things work off one verse. You've got to read it in the whole context of Scripture.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I find this interesting in,
1: in the Buddhist context.
0: So um, uh, in Buddhism, we have uh, Pali, which is the, uh, the kind of the Sanskrit sister language that the Buddha spoke. And we right. have um, what is called the Pali Canon, which is the kind of the the book of holy books for Buddhism. Uh, and the Pali Canon is in Pali, and uh, all at least monks in Theravada tradition learn Pali so that they can read the Pali Canon in original text. But the point of that is not because there's something special and secret and like you know, it's it's not like Arabic where it's like, oh, this is the language of um of, of Allah, so that you have that you have to actually. You know, speak in that language in order f- to actually understand that uh, in Buddhism it's like no, th- there's nothing particularly unique about Pali it's just that that's the words the Buddha used so you might be able to understand what he meant a bit more if you use the words that he yeah. actually used and understand the linguistic links and all of the things that are going on there when when, when certain phrases are being used and like totally. uh, the the one that I find really interesting is like probably the most important word in Buddhism is dukkha. Um, and dukkha is generally translated to suffering but actually there's a lot of modern uh, buddhist scholars that are going eh, suffering doesn't quite make sense because it's not you know it's it's maybe better to be translated as discontentment or like you know dissatisfaction or like these other different things but like you hear fascinating all, you hear, yeah you hear these buddhists that go oh it's, it's all about suffering and it's like Yes, but it's all about dukkha and dukkha is suffering, but it is also, you know, it's not suffering as we use it in the modern parlance where it's like, you know, I'm getting imprisoned and, you know, starving and suffering in that sense. But it's also like, you know, I don't like the fact that you know, my job doesn't pay me enough. Is also dukkha. Yeah, you know, and even, but that's not really suffering. And it's so like it's like how well, you,
1: is it? You know, we're both millennials anyway. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how,
0: how do you how do you do that, right? And so yeah, there's um, you know, and but but again, like the the best way to understand what is what is said there is just it's dukkha. It's it's mm. it's dukkha is the best word for it. And we're lucky enough in Buddhism to have access to that language and have an understanding of that language, but you know you can even you see live today the translation issues that go <laughs> on with that right yeah
1: so I, I i'm curious now in buddhism like are there are there like debates around manuscripts and stuff so you've got this stuff in pali of what the the buddha said like how how close to the buddha are those recordings and how reliable are they and, and all the rest so, of it so so they're considered
0: pretty Reliable. I I don't think there are many Buddhists of any tradition that would contend that the Pali Canon is the word of the Buddha. Mm -hmm. Um, So even Mahayana traditions where they have um, additional texts and texts that kind of interpret the Pali Canon and, and texts that they go, well, actually, when the Buddha said this, he meant this. And actually, it's probably better to do it this way. Even those traditions accept the Pali Canon as the word of the
1: Buddha. Oh, so it is the word of the Buddha, sorry. Yes. I thought you said that they. Oh, right. So there's not many Buddhists who would say that it's not. Yes, correct. Right, gotcha. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. um, so, yes. So, um, so, yeah. So, most Buddhists, or pretty much all Buddhists, would say the Pali Canon is the word of the Buddha. Um, in terms of historically, I think it might have been written a hundred or so years after he died. Like, I I don't
1: think it's a... Which was when again for those of us who don't have the... Uh, it's it's, life it's, it's dates approximately,
0: infamous. so... Um, oh, I, I should know this now. <laughs> uh, I, 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 off, off the top of my head, it's, it's 600 BCE. Yeah, okay, right. Yep. Um, I, I'm going to get fact-checked on that and then be proven to be wrong. But um, <laughs> it's... it's it's. I'm pretty sure it's 600 BCE. Um, and so, yeah, so the... I, I don't think it is I don't think the Pali Canon is a um, like you know someone was not sitting down scribing what the Buddha said, but the Buddha definitely gave many, many speeches uh, and at the time it was an oral tradition and so those speeches yep. were memorized and passed on. Um, and you know multiple sources confirmed that that is the speech that the Buddha gave and that is what he said and you know so yeah it's it's pretty well um, it's pretty well accepted. I, and even historically, even by non-Buddhists, uh, historians are pretty confident that there was a historical figure called the Buddha and he did say these things.
1: Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I, I think, no, I'm not going to make a claim to know exactly the historical context in which it was written. Uh, I, I want to say something about the Ashok- King Ashoka and whatever else, but I, I I don't know enough about that to actually make that claim. But yes, it was, Um, you know, yeah, the, the issues come not so much in that people can test whether or not the Pali Canon is the word of the Buddha, but I guess they contest what he meant and, yep. and and what 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 was the what was the intention and meaning and you know the process behind the words rather than what the words were.
1: Christianity just as an aside kind of went through this of oh, probably early twentieth century through to maybe fifty years ago, kind mm. of almost um, you know a crisis of meaning around the texts in the the New Testament particularly in the Old Testament. Like you know, are they as old as we thought? And rah rah rah. Um, turns out probably they are but this this question of like is, is this the actual text and how close to Jesus can we get and, mm. and all the rest of it and it's a yeah a similar thing that's that's gone on now to you know there's not that many scholars that I know of that would say that you know again there wasn't a historical Je- figure of Je- called Jesus who said you know broadly these things and all the rest of it but mm. yeah there was a, there was an interesting moment in academia for a while there where they asked those questions. Yeah, deeply. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Actually that that reminds me of this um of this, this this historian who talks about this time a Christian and a Buddhist walked into a bar. Oh, and, I, th- I uh, thought that was coming up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and so they walk into the this bar and um and there's a there's a guy in the corner who's, like, making holy water. He's got the little sign saying, like, you know, holy water here. Can we just
1: pause the joke for a How do you make holy water? Well, so, so this is the thing, right? Okay, so the right, and the Buddhists right. go
0: up to the bartender, like, hey, like he's making holy water. Like, how is he doing it? Um, and the bartender's like, oh, no, well, he, he's boiling the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll pay that. Yeah, I'll
1: pay good,
0: that, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, do you have anything more on this one, Jacob?
1: Um, I feel like we should talk about um, baptism, Yes, okay. A little bit more. Do uh, uh, I mean, do, do Buddhists have an initiation rite of some description or other? So,
0: um, we have what is called taking the five precepts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's so there's not so much... a Holy water does exist in Buddhism. Um, oh, okay. Because so,
1: not in Protestantism, really. Yeah, Catholicism, right. okay. but like, you know, there's a thing called holy water and there's all the pop culture references to mm-hmm. it and whatever. I... I don't properly know what it is it's it's,
0: it's not a big thing like it's not like something that's like plays as much of a role as I say it does in Catholicism but yeah um, generally you know it's pretty easy to make holy water in Buddhism I've done it Um, you boil the hell out of it I was (laughs) was listening (laughs) but um, so so like you know it's essentially it's any water that is blessed by monastics
1: okay right yeah. so you
0: know um so you know essentially you can have a thing where like you you have a little pitcher of water and you have a little vessel and you pour the water into vessel as the monks are doing a chant mm-hmm. and are like you know essentially praying and and blessing that the water and whatever else and then that becomes holy water mm-hmm. I mean, that is then holy
1: water um, what does one do with holy water
0: uh whatever you want really yeah okay. um i i mean i don't know if this is sacrilegious or not but i've drunk it yeah. Um I or you know, I think you can kind of sprinkle it on people and whatever else and yeah, I, I like yeah, okay. I, I've never really been told what to do with it. I've just I've just seen it happen and done it and it's like, okay, well, this is a thing now. Yeah. It's holy water.
1: Because well, in baptism, um a, a Catholic understanding might be slightly different. Mm. But it's, you know, the the water doesn't really change, right? Yeah. Like it's it's the water and the words combined and it's the the action that's holy rather than that well now we've blessed the water and the water is somehow special. It's like no, it's it's the whole thing together and the yes. water before and after is just water
0: yes um there, there is a story actually of a um this is a true story of, of a monk in thailand that was a little bit of a um a bit of a rogue and uh, one of the thai military generals came up to him and was like you know wanted to get a blessing for holy water and he didn't have anything on him so he just spat on his head and the, the general was totally cool with it, it was like yeah yeah no, this is holy water from a mm-hmm. monk yeah, this is great um so you know um but yes, so so we don't we don't have so much of like a baptism per se, but we have taking the five precepts, which yeah. is um, essentially it's a kind of a, a call and response chant that you do with a. Uh, it doesn't even have to be a member of the sangha, a monastic. It, it can be just anyone who has like a kind of an acceptable level of like authority or an acceptable level of understanding of the dharma, um, and or you can even do it yourself, and it still you know still counts. Um, and it's, um, you know, you, you essentially, you, uh, so it's the five precepts as taking refuge. So there are two parts to it, right? Okay. So the five precepts are, um, the various kind of like rules for living. So like 10 commandments kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you you, you sit there and you take Five precepts, and you say, you know, I'm I'm not going to kill anything. I'm not going to steal anything. I'm not going to, you know, lie. I'm not going to, you know, do all these things. And so, um, I, I was up to three. I was, oh yes, it, I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to commit sexual misconduct. Yep. and I'm not going to uh, drink alcohol or take intoxicants. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but so so you 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 yeah you know, amongst yeah you know, says it. You say it back, and you kind of wholeheartedly say, yes, I'm going to commit to doing these things as best as mm. I possibly so can. So you're making a vow, basically. Yes. Yeah. So you're making a vow. Um, and so that's kind of like, saying, well, I'm going to live. In line with the Buddhist's ethic, um, and then you've got taking refuge, which is where again it's a call and response kind of thing, where you say, you know, I, I take refuge in the Buddha, I take refuge in the Dharma, it's the teachings, and I take refuge in the Sangha, which is the monastic community, uh, and that's to say, well, it's like yeah, I'm, I am, I am um, going to these places and people and teachings for kind of. Uh, to put it in a Christian way for my salvation, but it's not quite like that in Buddhism. Sure. It's more like you know that that you know, I'm going to go to those places as a as a source of refuge, as a source of um, of kind of of wisdom kind of thing. And so, if you essentially if you say those things, either of both of them or whatever else, it's generally accepted that you know you're a Buddhist. If you want to be like 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 there there isn't really a thing. God, it's where a, so chill. Around. There yeah, really yeah. are like Like there's there's no real conversion. There's no <laughs> real like oh now you're this. You can't get out of it. Like it's just like no. Like if you want to be a Buddhist, you're probably a Buddhist. And yeah, sure you can chant those things and take make a ceremony out of it if you want to kind of show your dedication and your commitment. But there's not like a oh well once you've done this then you're a Buddhist and then therefore you can do all these other things. It's like well you just gotta do it and yep. just believe it and live
1: like it. It's, a, it's just an interesting kind of parallel in some ways and then not in others to, mm. to Christian baptism right like mm. because there's also that um, I mean not taking refuge but there are promises that you make in baptism right mm. like uh, when it, when an infant is baptised the parents will promise that we will bring them to church and teach mm. them the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer and um, the congregation promises that we will care for and love the person who's getting baptised and, and all of this and um, I mean, there are promises that you make in baptism that um, you know you, you state the creed and you say what you believe and you you um, reject the devil and all his works and all his ways and there's you know these bits of the liturgy that are that are done. Um, but all of that kind of comes in a. It's baptism isn't your commitment to doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Baptism is God's commitment to you and God saying, you know, yeah, uh, Well, the the phrase that was used at Jesus' baptism, slightly different thing, but. Um, you know, at Jesus' baptism, the heavens opened and a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son, the beloved one with whom I'm well pleased. And when you're baptized in the Christian tradition, you're, you're baptized into Jesus' baptism, right? So th- those words apply to your life as well, that mm-hmm. God says, this is my son or my daughter whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. And then kind of in response, we say all of these things like I want to lean into God's love and knowing God more. And there are you know good ways of doing that that we've learned through history and tradition and some that come from scripture and so we're going to do that we're going to be in Christian community and we're going to worship and we're going to read scripture and pray and and all of this other stuff but it all kind of flows out of here's what God has done rather than here's what I'm going to promise to do for God mm, yeah
0: no, that makes yeah. sense hmm, interesting um, alrighty well
1: I think that, that's about that's about time for us
0: today um, I. I found this a really interesting conversation. Yeah, I think the um, the the uniqueness and the, the place of language and all of this is really is really interesting and definitely something I'm going to reflect on a little bit more.
1: Yeah, language is so interesting, and there, there is a there's a few theologians who bang on about language a bit. We might talk about them oh, at some point. Bring them. Yeah. Bring them to the podcast. We'll, we'll, we will see
0: uh, those theologians and all of you on a future episode. Um, we can be contacted at christianbuddhistbar at com if you have any questions or recommendations.
1: That's exactly right. The music is by Kevin McLeod. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next week.